everyone, great that you're joining this video. This is Elite Dealers, where I talk to some of the elite salespeople out there. Today, I'm joined by Alex Kane, who is joining us from San Francisco. Uh, and we're going to talk about one of his best deals. So welcome, Alex. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Pam. I'm excited to be on. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it? Perfect. Well, I'm Alex Kane. I'm a, I'm a salesman through and through. I'm based out of the Bay Area and been working in tech sales for the past uh, 10 plus years. I, I've seen some of your your best years, I suppose, right? Because we go back a while. Like I think, wasn't it 2016 when we both joined Cisco Meraki uh, way back when? Those were the good years. We were, we were young bucks. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think you told me back then, but what, what is your favorite sports team again? Golden State Warriors through and through. Steph Curry might be the greatest shooter of all time. Anyone who has doubts about that just needs to keep watching the man. He's incredible. Oh, I'm looking forward to uh, whether there will be a discussion underneath uh, the posting of this video because I think there, were, there are a few players out there that might gun for that uh, GOAT uh, spot, right? And I'm, I'm no expert, so you know, uh, I'll go uh, with, with what you're saying there. Um, and I, I remember, like, uh, when we were spending some time uh, as part of that same Ignite group, we, we went to, like, a, a, a brewery one day, or it might even be at our time at Sam Sarah together, where you're right now, right? And, and we had some, uh, some drinks. But what is your go-to drink, actually? Actually, um, go-to drink when I want to, like, really just be comfortable for the night, Greyhound. Grapefruit juice vodka. It's just smooth. You get a little bit of vitamin C with it. It's healthy, I think. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting. I'll keep that in mind for the next time we get to uh, to meet. Like, I have a couple of drinks in my background. I'm not sure if they show up on this recording. Um, but <laughs> hey, anyways, we're not here to talk about alcohol or sports. Uh, we will save that for later. This is to get into one of your best deals, right? So, hey, why don't you uh, give us uh, the overview here? Absolutely. So, um, one of the most interesting deals that I've ever worked on, it's a large food trucking company. They've got a thousand vehicles, they've got 2000 trailers, and they have a hard time keeping track of all the moving parts and they're all over the entire country. So they are spread very thin. Um, they have a lean team and what they really are looking for is a platform, something to make their life simple. And um, when we first met them, they were struggling with a variety of systems. And the initial pitch is just, why have so many systems when you can just have one that does the same thing as all of them, consolidate it down to a single place? And that's kind of where their interest began. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so is this so the typical way that you approach customers of what is special about this one in particular? What makes this one special in particular is that they saw the bigger vision. They didn't just do one piece at a time and slowly roll it out. They knew that if they made a shift in this direction, the advantage of the shift is the end outcome. So getting to that point of consolidation, and instead of doing it slowly, they ripped the Band-Aid off and they went right for it. They were installing vehicles, dash cameras, trailers, temp sensors, door monitors, all at once. And to see the data light up as fast as it did at their magnitude, it was like being fast forwarded from the year 1995 to the year 2022 in a single moment. It was incredible. Oh, I like that. It sounds like you are describing uh, that, that you found some pain early on, right? That you were able to, to implicate. What I'm, what I'm wondering is like, what did this deal look like in terms of uh, things like uh, stakeholders? What were the, the, the type of personas that you needed to engage with in order to get the opportunity to get this visibility across to, well, the right stakeholders to, to build this deal? 
the key champion, which was a perfect fit for this, was the CIO. So he's sitting right in the middle. He needs to get buy-in from the executive team who is going to approve the budget for this switchover. But he also needs to get buy-in from the operations team who is going to use this product. So there's a lot of opinions involved into, well, this is very costly. Are we sure this is going to be better than what we have coming from above? But then also from below, there's a lot of people who have never used this system before. They're very comfortable on the system that they have, even though it gives them trouble, but they know it well. And anytime you change, change is scary. So there was a lot of detractors in both directions, but a CIO in the middle who's pulling them all towards the greater outcome, which is better data, more information, and an ability to see their operation in a brand new way. Because in a lot of ways, they were flying blind and they never knew that there was anything better out there until we really showed them what it could be like. And we took our time. It wasn't something that we tried to rush them or pressure sale them. It was about doing something the right way. And I think that sang through to the ownership to approve the project because it wasn't a deal. It was a partnership. Right. I, I love that. And and I hear you say the word we instead of I, right? In, indicating that this is like a, a team effort. So talking about stakeholders on, on there, and that's pretty clear, but how, how did the alignment of stakeholders from, well, the rest of your team and then back to their organization, uh, what did that look like? Life at a, at a technology company that's in hyper growth, um, you know, you work with a lean team. So me and my engineer, um, we handled the most of the burden. We were the ones on all the calls. We were the ones on the on-sites. Uh, we went out to, to hold the hand of the installation. And post-sale is when we start to really bring in the extra resources, implementation consultants, client success managers, um, technical solution engineers. The pre-sale, we stay very lean and tight. So just sales rep and engineer for the most part. And then once we get to post-sale, that's when we really start bringing in all the company value adds and saying, hey, let's measure twice and cut once. Because if we can just get off on the right foot, we're going to reduce the support on this account by 350% because they're not going to just run into problems as they go. We're going to set them up so that there aren't problems, which I love about this company. Yeah, that's amazing. So you were very much thinking about the post-sale when you were doing the deal. Is that fair to say? Definitely fair to say. I, I would say that um, I envision the outcome very mm -hmm. often and I help visualize it and show it to the customer so that they know where we're going. Because if they don't have a clear picture of where this goes, you can't expect them to follow you. What I wanted to ask you is like, hey, the, the first thing what we talked about that was in the, the realm of value, the second one in stakeholders. If you think about... Uh, process and aligning those things to process for this customer specifically. What 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 can you tell us about that and the way that you worked with this customer to, well, um, make this all happen? Yeah, I think that um, what's interesting about projects like this, where you're really pushing a new initiative, something tech forward, they they can't imagine what it's going to be like. So we really do spend a lot of time on the trial, setting it up in a demo environment so that they can envision what this next step is going to be. And then once they see it, they start saying, can it also do this? Can it also do this? Can it also do this? So the process really is kind of a land and expand per se. But what was unique about this customer was what they were able to do in such a short period of time. I would say six months from start to finish was about our sales cycle. So we were able to have an initial conversation, find that pain, 
um, send out the trial gear, prop up the whole pilot, get all the stakeholders involved. And then just after the short six months, we were implementing and rolling out a major project shift for the way their company functions on a daily basis, the heartbeat of their company systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes great sense. Um, going back to, uh, you mentioned stakeholders there and going back to something you said initially is that the CIO here was your champion, right? So did this particular champion give you, uh, access to the, to the economic buyer, the ultimate, well, the person that could say yes or no, when the rest of the team would say the opposite here? I would say that in this case, um, we were dealing with an economic buyer group that was a little more like a board. So there was many people involved, uh, kind of a family of people. And I was able to present to them for the final presentation, but they were not heavily involved in the actual technology side, which at the largest scale is very common. It's not technology they interact with on a daily basis. They mm -hmm. expect their CIO and their operations team to guide them in the direction that will be the best product for them. But they're also very fiscally conscious. So return on investment matters quite a bit. But we're also dealing with a rip and replace of a current technology that is causing them great pain. So they know they had to move somewhere. And the uh, ROI was very easy to justify just in time saving alone before you get to any of the real heavy lifts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting in a way to think about holistically, right? Because uh, like our industry and the way that we think about our buyers on, on our customer side is sometimes we expect them to be... Um, quite up to speed on everything that you can provide and what, what you can do. But actually it's like, uh, well, you're a subject matter expert for a reason, right? Rather than uh, that you would expect that from, uh, from your buyer in particular. Exactly. You got to show them what you can do. I think that um, what a lot of people miss is they spend very much of too much of the time focused on learning about all the inner details of a company and they fail to show them what you can actually bring as value. And I think that, Showing your value is an important piece of the early stage of the project because they really need to want to do this. It's an emotional thing to switch technologies. Mm -hmm. And if they're not invested in it, if it's not something they really want to do, odds are it's going to be a, a deal that doesn't happen. So um, talking about uh, early stage of opportunities, what, what does your typical preparation for like a, a first meeting look like then? Great question. Um, I would say that I take a pretty generic approach. I, I do want to keep it customized for companies' needs, but I do know that if all I do is show you what you want to see, you're going to miss the bigger picture of what we actually can do. So I do focus on giving you a wide gamut of, of capabilities and saying, here is where we excel. Here's why people are flocking to us. This is what we do best. <clears throat> Let's talk about what you actually need right now, but I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't show you the real reasons behind the why of this company um, so that you are able to kind of see the bigger picture of where this can all go. Because in my eyes, that's the differentiator because there's lots of people who can solve your problem. There's not many people who can say, well, what about the next five problems? Can they also solve, solve those too? Right. And you do that on the basis of success that you have with your current customers, I suppose, right? Absolutely. A lot of social proof selling. Um, you know, not everyone wants to be an innovator who takes the risk for their entire industry and is the first one to do anything. They want to know about who's already doing it and what kind of success are they having. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think this is super interesting also in the way that you think about the discovery to begin with, right? Because like, uh, I mean, we talk about this uh, in our business more often, but it's like uh, sellers uh, typically when they, they don't have an approach like the one you're describing fall in one of two categories. The first one is a bit like uh, someone who just goes in and pitch whatever they can do and pulls open the entire like catalog of, of all propositions that they might have, right? product based and then the other one is like hard discovery without the context of other customers where they are successful with and more about like hey uh, what is keeping you awake at night what is the single biggest problem that you have what does really need solving and then if you do that early stage you didn't really earn the right just yet to ask those difficult questions right so i think that what you're describing here is a great way of sort of going into a cycle um, and on the basis of other customers that you are successful with, sort of create a picture of a before and, and utopia after state that other customers have on the basis of working with you and adopting your technology so that you're doing two things. You're not calling their baby ugly based on some problems that they might have and that you typically solve for. And that gives you the opportunity to potentially discover some of the issues that you can solve for as they open up on the basis of that story, right? Is that is that how you typically see it happen in your cycles early on? Those were great, great description words of exactly what I feel is going on there. We we really want them to know what this can become because they don't actually know everything about your company. You have to show them what people are doing with it so that they don't make assumptions and see it in the wrong light. Right. And and if you take that one step further and you think about things like setting traps for competition, do you feel like you're also already doing it there in that early stage? Absolutely. I'm saying I'm going to play my game and you have to match it. So unless you can do all the things that I'm showing off here, you're going to be at a disadvantage because I'm making it about everything else. And I know that you think this project is just about one thing. But when you bring in those other influencers and those other aspects, it becomes about more than just that one thing. They start seeing the down the road view of where does this go and where this goes actually is what they're buying, not what it can do. Right, right. And and talking about competition, Alex, if from your point of view, do you how, how do you see competition? Is this only like competitive solutions to what you're solving for or can it be other things as well? Um, so in terms of like the competition we have out there, there is a lot of competition. It is a very crowded space, a very noisy space. Um, the word real time, the word AI gets thrown around very, very um, liberally by many companies. It's buzzwords at this point. And so to differentiate yourself, it's not in the words that you say, it's in the things you can show. And mm -hmm. so I always say it's, it's better to show someone something than tell someone something. Because if you show it to them, they see what it's really capable of. If you tell them it, they assume what it's capable of. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's a great shout. I, I believe the same thing. And also in, in like a broader competition context, I always find it interesting to think one step outside of just that in terms of um, everything else competing for the same budget, right? I think that your deal that you're describing is a family-owned business, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Almost 100 years old. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and for, for, I mean, for big publicly traded companies as well, there's, there's typically a limited budget to do, uh, well, a limited amount of things, right? So typically meaning 
that if you do one thing, you don't do another thing. And so I, I found it interesting to sort of get to the level of understanding that sometimes you're not even only thinking about, hey, this other solution that might potentially solve for the same issue, maybe not in the same way that you do, but they, they could be looking at, but also like other initiatives, right? Or maybe even inertia. Is, is that happening in your uh, industry a lot where they don't do anything at all towards that end? Absolutely. Um, I think that if, if it was something that everyone wanted to do, they wouldn't need sales reps. Our job is to convince people who are on the fence, people who don't think they need something, and we have to show them the reason as to why they do. So for instance, one of the products we sell is a dash camera. And I say all the time, if all you tell people about is the value adds and ROI you will get for having dash cameras, then all you've done is sell them that they need dash cameras. Why do they need your dash camera? Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. And and is it like you, you mentioned land and expand earlier on in this conversation, right? I mean, if you if you take that point and what you're saying just now, like how, how do those two um, connect to each other? Because like on one end, you're saying like, hey, we typically start smaller and then become bigger. Um, what, what do you mean if you put those things together? So a lot of times there's variety of contracts involved. Certain mm -hmm. contracts are up at different times. So you don't have the ability to necessarily do everything at once, but you're setting the stage that when those contracts come up, we're going to be right here. We have the functionality to do what you need at that level too. But then also this idea that they've only budgeted for the first piece of this project and we've opened their eyes to so much more. And now we've created the need for more budget in the future. But the step one is getting out the gate because once they start with that first product, the idea of consolidation is at the core of our pitch and our, um, our overall value. And so in the back of their mind, they're thinking, okay, now how do I consolidate? How do I make the moves in those directions? And sometimes it happens very quickly, like in this case, why it was such a special deal. And sometimes it's something that occurs over many years. And we want people to go at the pace they're comfortable with. Because in the end, if you start using technology before you're ready to use it, it's uh, that's how you actually don't see the value when you're not using something that you pay for. Yeah, I think you're describing something quite powerful there. It's sort of the difference in mindset between what can we sell this customer versus like, hey, what value can we add to the way that they operate, right? And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's powerful, man. But also, this is beyond like your best deal. The, 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 the sort of the timeline that we're speaking about right now is, is, is after that, right? So I'm wondering how do you stay engaged in a way that is effective to make sure that when you have landed that first deal, you can keep on aligning to the right uh, stakeholders and value to keep on expanding that account? Absolutely. So thank goodness for client success, client support teams. They allow me to stay on my focus, which is net new customers and new projects. And with current customers, I really do want to be their point guard. So I expect to be able to distribute the ball for them when something not, is not going perfectly. I want to be looped in. I want to assist them. But I and have that's to another them. basketball reference, yeah. right? Just to be sure. Yeah, yeah. Another basketball <laughs> reference. Yeah. Um, 
And, and in the end, you know, I, I want their experience to be great because I'm going to need them to be a testimonial for me at some point. Their neighbor is going to be interested and they're going to want to know what this company is doing. And so their happiness level matters very much to the future success of many other projects. But also, I I know that as a company, when you're a tech company and you're growing like crazy, you're releasing new products, you're bringing out new beta features. These are the customers that you want to have that great relationship with so that they can test the new products, consume the new products, and grow with your company as you grow together. So I look at it more as a a partnership and a friendship that has now forged. And to keep any partnership or friendship happy, um, there's a saying that I, I like to throw around, and it's the best time to call someone is when you need nothing at all. So I go out of my way to call these customers, not because I have something new to sell them, but just because I want to be in touch with them. And in the nature of those conversations, they begin to ask you, what else are you guys doing? What else is going on? And it happens so naturally. It's the right way to communicate, to sell, to upsell, as opposed to, hey, it's the 29th of a month and I'm just trying to bring in the last little bits. Do you have anything you need from me? If that's the only time you're calling, the relationship will not be a friendship. Yeah, absolutely. It's not based on on, on mutual value in that sense, right? I, I love that, man. So uh, last question, because we're coming up on time here. Um, what you described there in the beginning sounded like the, the way that you would also uh, set the extended team, sort of like the post-sale uh, team up for success with the customer that you then um, concluded that initial business with, like a new business with. How, how does that, what does that look like for you if you consider like your role in getting them in as a new customer and then for setting your, your team and the customer up for success going forward? Absolutely. So it's a phased approach. First, there's an implementation team. The implementation team is purely focused on install velocity, uh, platform setup, API integrations, all the heavy lifts that go on in the first two to three months of a project. Once the lift has occurred and we are up and running in a meaningful way, the system is working, it's been adopted, the team's been trained, then we bring in an additional layer, which is a client success manager, and the implementation team moves on to the next mm -hmm. implementation. And the client success manager is more focused on overall customer happiness and the communication of new features so that as we update, evolve, and change, they are communicating these changes to the customer. They build a great ongoing success relationship with them. And my role is really in the space of expansion, new products, um, and really just being a general uh, jack of all trades so that if there's a support ticket that's taking too long, let me know about it. If there's a, a shipment that you want an ETA on, hit me up. And we're able to kind of share the responsibility of taking care of this customer where I am on the additional upsell value add side and the client success managers on the continued success and adoption of feature side. Yeah, that's that's amazing, man. So, hey, I, I feel like you, we've covered a lot here and, and, and the time is just getting away from us. But to summarize, like I feel... You described for that, uh, for like one of your best deals, how you align to things like value for a customer, not only uh, in the later stages of the process, but also like if from early onwards to set both of, uh, well, you and the customer up for success, but also the way that you would align to the various different stakeholders that you need on your side in order to, again, make both of you successful. Uh, then, then understanding the process to sort of bring that home. And what I, what I didn't expect coming into this call was even like sort of 
full customer life cycle to, to even make sure that the rest of your organization is set up for success so that your customer is uh, as well making uh, that there is like a fundament to further build a relationship that is filled with um, meaningful mutual exchange of value. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, um, um, lot of valuable insights there. And uh, yeah, man, I just uh, want to thank you very much for taking the time and share these uh, on this uh, first episode of Elite Dealers here with us today. Pam, thanks for having me on the show. This is a very cool project to work on. I can't wait to see more episodes. Thank you, man. I'll, uh, I'll close it off here and uh, we'll see each other again soon. See you, Pam. <laughs>